0: please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at bushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting bushland.com slash give.
1: Hey, if you're joining us online, I want to say welcome to you, man. We have a faithful, faithful uh, church online. So I want to say thank you and welcome to each of you. Uh, before I jump into the last, uh, this is the last little nugget of this series. But before I do... Man, what a weekend uh, here in Bushland, and I need to give a shout out to some folks uh, for a Friday night. Woo, what a gutsy call on that two-point conversion, and what beautiful execution by those kids. Man, beautiful, I'm telling you. If you've not seen that video, you need to see that video of that last play, of that two-point conversion. That's pretty That's pretty cool. And I mean, and yesterday afternoon, Lady Falcons, my goodness, wow. There are state championship games, and then there are state championship games, and they, that's, that's, that's a spanking right there. No other way to say it. Sorry, Gilead. Man, beautiful job, girls, I'm telling you, proud of you, very proud of you. So we're in the last of a series called The Fight of Your Life. Been a super series, enjoyed it a lot. I think it spoke to a lot of people. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is the text uh, for that whole series. Uh, We began in verse 10, and we just walked through it week after week. We just kind of built it week after week. And so each week when we've done that, I, I felt it very, very important to go back and not forget what we've learned each week. You know, for most men who are married, about the 15th time we're told, we got it. <laughs> so I'm not saying I'm at 15 yet on some of these, but I'm close, okay? So I just think sometimes we, we are just a little thick, but we're real busy. And I think we got to be reminded, man, of who he is, what he said, and kind of go over it again. So I want to begin in verse 10 where we start the series. If this is your first time in the house and you're going to get the last one of this or maybe you're joining us online, and you're going to get the last one. It's okay, all right? So I want to kind of go back for you and kind of build and show you where we how we got here because there's a lot of truths that were packed in these verses. So verse 10, Paul begins by making a statement finally and we said, if you're going to start with finally, you better have said something worth saying before, all right? And so he did, okay? And so he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. That's, that is a massive, massive statement right there. Because I have said in this series, you, to be in the Lord is different than to be with the Lord. You can come to church and be with the Lord, but just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're in the Lord. That makes sense? To be in the Lord is to be born again. And by salvation, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you to live inside of you. You are now in Christ. You're now in the Lord. You're now born again. Just because you're with the Lord in church doesn't mean he's in you, okay? That's a big difference. And so you have to understand the importance of what we're building. And Paul said the most important thing in your life is that you need to know, make sure that you're in the Lord, in the Lord. And then he begins with this in verse 11. Now that you're in the Lord, (laughs) you're on a good team. But there's a punk that's after your life now, and his name is the devil, and he is setting schemes for you. The devil has schemes set for us 24-7. What he's trying to do is catch you, kill you, and destroy you. And you say, well, that's kind of mean. Yes, but that's exactly what he says he's doing. He doesn't pull punches. He just says, that's what I'm doing. And so he lays schemes. He lays traps. Being in the Lord gives you the advantage of walking in the Lord so you can recognize him. Verse 12, we talked about the fact that we are all in a struggle or in a battle, all right? But the battle and the struggle that we're in is, it is not a battle against flesh and blood. It's not what we see. It's what's behind it, okay? It's what the darkness and the evil that's behind it what we're seeing we're seeing the flesh we're seeing we're seeing human we're seeing the things in the natural but listen to me it's what's going on inside of them behind them and, and it's a scheme back there and we can't fight like the world wants to fight because then we come to their level we got to stay above them we got to stay on the high road we got to fight wow how oh, god says fight Because all we're going to do if we fight like the world says, fighting battles, is we're going to be like the little hamster. They just kept running on the wheel. That dude laying over his tongue, hanging out. He's tired. He running and running and fighting and fighting and battling and battling and battling. He ain't gone nowhere. Nowhere. So he said, why do I keep doing this? So he just laid over his tongue out of his mouth. That's how we get sometimes. You punch the air, guess what? Two things automatically going to happen. You're going to get tired, mm -hmm, and you're not going to make any penetration. Don't make any difference whatsoever. In verse 13, he says, You got to stand your ground. In this battle, you got to be willing to dig your heels in, stand your ground. And when it gets real tough and when it gets real hard, guess what? You got to stand. You can't move. You can't move. And the only way to stand your ground in a battle and the only way to be unmovable is for a force greater than you to be inside of you. Again, you can't get far away from verse 10 in the Lord, all right? And then we began to put on some armor, all right? Number one, we put on the belt of truth. I said before, if you're a grandparent or a parent, you have children in your home or or, or grandchildren that come over a lot, here's the greatest thing you can do for them. Tell them who they are in Christ. This right here. This is truth. Truth. Not what the world says you are, what the word of God says you are, all right? You teach your children and grandchildren who they are according to the truth of the word of God. It is unmovable, unchangeable, unstoppable. This is not a popularity book. This is life. This is where it is, the heart. You got to have the belt of truth buckled around you all the time. Then you have the breastplate of righteousness. I have no righteousness on my own. I can't even do right, and be right, and act right without Christ. If I'm not in Christ, I have no ability with inside of me to do the right things. So I know I can't be righteous. I can't do right. Because once I get out of the sight of the person who wants me to do this way, I can live however I want to because I have no standard in my life because I am not righteous. I don't have any righteousness of my own. Paul says all of my rights are filthy rags. I'm righteous, and I can do right because I have, I'm in Christ. I have his breastplate on. Then we have feet that are fitted. We talked about the feet or the shoes. The shoes have spikes on them. The shoes have spikes. Sometimes we need to tie shoes tight. I tie shoes real tight, okay? So tight sometimes that I have to loosen them because I don't know if my toes are working. So I tie them tight, I learned to do that playing ball, just like to do that. When I pitched in college and in high school, I did not like my feet to slide in my shoes, especially on my plant foot, okay? Some of you... Ladies are like, I don't even get that. Your husband can finish that later. If he struggles, come see me. I'll tell you what that means, all right? So I just needed my foot not to move in my shoe. That's how we have to be in our walk with Christ. We have shoes fitted tight. They have spikes on them because sometimes we will go on terrain. We will go on areas. We will go places that God takes our feet That that we're not comfortable with, that can be slippery, that can be rough, and our feet have got to hold up, our shoes have got to hold up. We tie them tight, they got spikes on the for traction. But here's the deal: no matter where God asks you to go, and wherever God sends you, you will go in peace with the gospel of Christ because they're fitted on your feet. See, I can walk in any terrain any setting, any circumstances, even if it's hard, even if I don't understand where I'm, where I'm at, even if God chose me for it and I'm wishing he hadn't chose me for it, I can go in peace because I don't ever go alone. He goes with me and before me. That's the peace I have with those shoes. Then the shield of faith, not, not a cartoon shield. I'm talking a big shield, oblong like a door, big enough to cover me in anything that comes my way. When I was born, according to Psalm 139, God said, I have ordained all your steps. In the Bible, it says that I have given you a measure of faith. See, Jeff, me, I have a measure of faith. Melissa, my sweet wife, has a measure of faith. Okay? I watched her walk through cancer for the second time and beat it by the blood, by the blood of Jesus. And I saw her faith magnified in that. Now I said, man, I need her faith. (laughs) I heard God say, now you got your own. But hers is cool. Yours is cool. I'm like, I don't know if mine's that great. It's greater. It's enough for whatever you need. It's enough, Jeff. I'm enough. If If I'm asked this of your faith, I give you enough faith to see through it. You don't need someone else's faith. You don't need to borrow their faith. You don't need to lean from them. You need your faith to grow. And the only way your faith grows according to scripture is, my faith grows by hearing the word, the hearing the word of God. Here's how my faith grows right here. If If someone says, or if you ever say, I need more faith, or I need my faith to be like them, what they're really saying is, I need more word. Because the word of God is what grows your faith. So if you need more faith, You need more word. You get more word, you get more faith. It's a beautiful promise by God. And it's at all of our disposals. So shield of faith, enough. He is enough. My faith is enough for whatever God has. Helmet of salvation. This is for your mind games. Anybody ever had the enemy mess with your head? mess with you. He plays mind games, tries to tell you things, tries to mess with you. One of the things he tries to do is tell you that you're not saved, or you've never been saved, and all this other stuff. And so, I know people that go back and forth. I think I'm a Christian. No, I don't know. I, maybe when I was seven. I, I don't know. I need to call my mom. I'm not sure. Man, man. I mean, you're just back and forth. You're like a fish up on the beach. You need to get in the water, or get in the frying pan. Make up your mind, all right? Swim, or... <laughs> Swim in the lake or the ocean or swim in the grease. Something, something, get some ketchup. Do something, pick. I mean, I know people that flop back and forth. Can I tell you something about somebody flopping back and forth between saved and not saved? You know what they're not doing? They're not making any impact for the kingdom. None. You think they're sharing their story? They don't even know they have a story. They're, They're still talking to themselves. If you know that you know that you know that you know, then when God gives you an opportunity to tell someone what you know that they need to know, you'll tell them. But if you don't know that you know, you're not gonna tell anybody else that they need to know. It's true. Helmet of salvation. The enemy says, if I can measure your head, I can trap your feet, they'll never move. A lot of people do that. And then we started with the sword of the Spirit. We went in verse 17, the sword of the Spirit. This right here, the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. This is the most powerful, powerful book in the world. This is the greatest book ever. It is still always and will always be the number one bestseller. New York Times don't have nothing on the Word of God. It is the best of the best of the best of the best. And I'm telling you, if this is not incorporated into your life, you are emptier than you think you are. You can't read novels. You can't read good books. There's no book ever written by man that trumps the book of the Creator. None. None. I know people all the time, they have, you got to read this book. 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 I'm like, I'm tired. Do you ever read the main book? Not really. Dude, I'm going to tell you right now, you got to read the main book more than you read the other books. Because if your books get out of order, you're in a world of hurt. You're in a world of hurt. The sword of the spirit, there is power in this word. No other book got this power, none, none. And then we talked about praying last week. You got to pray in the spirit, okay? Verse 18 is where we're going to be. I want to go there. It's kind of two-part. We talked about the A last week, but I feel like we need to read it and then we'll read the text for today. Verse 18 of Ephesians 6 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions. And last week I talked about, it does not say pray in all occasions. doesn't say that. It says pray in the spirit. That is a powerful difference right there. See, the more you're in the word, the more the word gets in you. And then you don't pray you, you pray the word. The word changes things. And if you don't know what to pray, you pray Jesus, 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 Jesus. Amen. Walk out. Drop the mic and gone. You say, well, that wasn't much of a prayer. You just wait. You just wait. You wait because I've just spoke the greatest name over your situation, and there's no way I could ever, in my own mind, pray anything more powerful than that. That name speaks a better name over anything in your life. Anything in your life. I said that now lay me down the sleep prayer at 44. I got to change. It's a sweet prayer. But you need a warrior power for battle prayer now. So the second half of Ephesians, Paul says these words. With this in mind, with what in mind? With all that list we just covered. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I want to camp on one, really two words here. With this in mind, be alert. If there's never been a time in your life that you have absolutely understand and realized that you've got to stay alert. It better be now. If you're in a battle, a commanding soldier will always tell his troops, be alert. Be alert. Alert in a noun means this, a state of being watchful for possible danger. The word vigilant is used sometimes. The word vigilant means this, keeping careful watch for possible danger and difficulties. As a soldier in God's army, all this stuff that he said, with this in mind, you have got to stay alert. You've got to stay vigilant. You've got to stay watchful. Why? Why? Because I'm telling you, if you're not watchful and alert and vigilant, things can happen in your life real fast. And not always good. I want you to go to a proverb, Proverbs 24. I believe this proverb in 24 really fits right here what he's trying to say. If more people, I, I believe when you look at the word alert and watchful and vigilant, Proverbs 24 has got to be your verse. I want you to look at a text here. Proverbs 24, go to verse 30 with me. Proverbs 24, 30. Now understand something. If you're new to the Bible and you don't understand a lot about the Bible, the book of Proverbs is called the book of wisdom. (laughs) That's a good thing, all right? All of us need wisdom. So I want you to hear some wisdom here, okay? And I want you to see this in the area of alert and vigilant and watchful, okay? Verse 30, chapter 24 of Proverbs. I went past a field of a slugger, past a vineyard of a man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere, and the ground was covered with weeds, and the stone wall was in ruins. Look at verse 32. I applied my heart, catch the order here, I applied my heart to what I observed. I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. This proverb is true in so many areas of our lives, so many areas, from physical, from mental, to relationships, to marriage, to finances, so many areas of our life. If we don't stay alert, vigilant, and watchful, weeds will grow up, choke us out. I meet many a believers that just kind of put it on autopilot and begin to coast in a walk with Christ. They're born again. They've been scripturally baptized. They got off to a good start, and they got in the Word, and then they kind of got lazy, and they got sloppy. And when you do that, I want you to understand, by you taking time off from being in the Word, in the presence of the Lord, the enemy ain't taking no time off. If you get sloppy in your marriage, the enemy's not taking any time off. If you get careless in relationships, he's not taking any time off there either. You've got to understand you have to be alert. You have to be vigilant. You have to be watchful. Because the enemy is always coming after you. He declares what he's doing. He is coming to kill, he's coming to steal, and he's coming to destroy. I want you to see also in 1 Peter. Go to 1 Peter chapter five. Look at verse eight, 1 Peter 5, eight. Be self-controlled and what? Alert. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, my enemy, our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Nowhere in the Bible does it say looking for someone to lick. Nowhere in the Bible does it say looking for someone to cuddle up to. Nowhere in the Bible does it say the lion's looking for someone to snuggle with. He ain't there to snuggle. He ain't there to share popcorn. He is there to devour you, and you have to understand that the enemy is always on the prowl, and we who are in Christ, who are in a battle, who are walking with the Lord, Paul says in this text, you've got to be vigilant, you've got to be watchful, you've got to be alert, and the way to do that is you have to spend time with the Lord. You gotta be self-controlled, and you gotta be alert because the enemy takes no time off. I wanna look at this uh, word alert in the verb form. To warn someone of a danger or a threat or a problem. To warn someone of a danger or a threat or a problem. Can I ask a question this morning? As a man or a woman, is there people in your life you have given permission to warn you? Is there people in your life that you have said, I need you to alert me of danger that you see me beginning to walk into? Can I tell you what happens to a man or woman who doesn't have anybody like that? They walk into it. They do. You see, when we drive around the city, there are things called crosswalks. You really need to use them. I saw a guy a month ago, two months ago, in the apartments on I-40 between Western, Nobel and Western, He crossed the interstate at 6.10 a.m. on his feet. Dude, what is wrong with you? He ran out into the eastbound, jumped the concrete barrier, and crossed over into the westbound. I don't know what donut shop he was going to, but that's some kind of donut, amen? What is wrong with that dude? Somebody... In that apartment complex, if that's where he came from, he needs a brother or sister in his life that says, dude, what is wrong with you? That is dangerous. Don't do that. Too many people, even believers, don't have anybody in their life to tell them of danger. I'll go a little step forward, farther. There's a lot of pastors that don't have anybody to tell them they're about to walk in danger. I'm a very fortunate man. I have men in my life that I've given this permission to. And every time they speak a word into me, here's how I want you to receive it. My wife and I have this with each other. On my wedding band is Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. My wife and I have that agreement with each other. We do that to each other. She does it more than I do, (laughs) but I'm gaining. No, I'm not. So I need you to understand you have to have men and women in your life to speak that into. You have to say this to people. You have permission to speak into my life in any area you think I need to be tipped off in. I need you to help guard me, alert me, watch for me that I don't walk into something. Now, listen to me. You're going to have people say stuff to you. My wife says things to me. Melissa says stuff to me. And listen to me. My first indication in my flesh is like, no, I'm not. Can I tell you something to do? Every one of us, I'm being honest. Whether it's a man or a woman or your wife or your husband that speaks this into you, do not blow it off. You always receive it. Always let it come over you. You say, God, if this is true about me, let it stick. Let the Holy Spirit stick it. If you stick it, God, I'll deal with it. But if it's, not, if it's not true, if this is not coming from you, I want it to run off me like water on a duck's butt. Some of y'all figure that out later, all right? You just let it go. But I'm gonna tell you something. Do not blow it off if you don't first say, Holy Spirit, stick it if it needs to stick. You won't grow if it doesn't stick. You need people in your life. You've given permission to speak into your life. I need you to speak to me in my life in areas that I need to be alerted in. Iron sharpens iron. I've sharpened many lawnmower blades in my life, but I've never sharpened any of them without rubbing them. And that blade may think they're sharp and they may say, you can quit now, pastor, I'm sharp. I'll cut your grass good. I'm like, "Mm, nah, you got some blemishes on you. I'm gonna rub some more. And you just gotta keep on rubbing. Jesus is the ultimate through the Holy Spirit of God that refines us. But you need men and women in your life that you have given permission to speak in this area of your life, to keep you watchful and alert and vigilance. So you have men and women, men and women in your life that speak this. James 4 8 gives us a beautiful reminder of what God wants to do as well. James 4 8 says this come near to God and He will come near to you. Listen to me. Come near to God and He will come near to you. It's the greatest thing you can do in your life is a carve out time for God. It's the greatest appointment you will ever make in your daily schedule. If your feet run nine to nothing before you, the, your feet hit the ground, you are nine to nothing before you collapse in bed that night. Then you need to somehow—you know—you're not going to have the time. You need to somehow discipline yourself that if I'm going to get up at six and I'm going to be going from six o'clock to six, then you need to get up at five fifty and at least give God the best ten minutes, the most uninterrupted ten minutes of your life. Because if you'll see Jesus before you see other people, you'll treat other people different. You'll be wiser in your decision-making. You'll be smarter in the tactics that you use. And if you're in any kind of leadership role, God will give you eyes to see stuff you've never seen on your own. You've got to carve it out if it's important to you. The only way to stay watchful, the only way to stay alert, the only way to stay vigilant is for you to meet with God. God says, I have ordained all of your steps okay? I've said in this series, there's really one voice. Here's a question you have to ask in your life on a daily basis. Heavenly Father, what do you say about this? See, one of the greatest things that I can do as a pastor is carve out time that I sit with the Lord. I have a couple places that that I sit with the Lord. When I sit with the Lord, I want me, I want the Lord, I want the Word, I want a journal or a pen or a highlighter. I may or may not begin with worship, just depends. But I simply walk in and either I'm standing or I sit or I bow down or sometimes it's fall down. And I say, God, I want you to shut off every voice in my life and I want to hear one voice. One voice. God, I need to know this. I need this. I need direction here. I need you to speak here. I need you to turn off anything I've eaten. I need you to turn off voices. I, my feeler cannot be active right now. My emotions can't be active right now. The only activity, the only action that needs to go on in my life is the Holy Spirit that's in me talking to the Holy Spirit called you. You've got to have a time when you hear one voice, one voice, and we need to go to one scripture and we're done. John 16, John 16, we talked about come near to God and he will come near to you. Why do we need this? We need this because John 16, 12, I have much to say to you more than you can bear right now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you in the all truth. He will not speak on his own authority. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you of what is yet to come. You wanna be vigilant, alert, and watchful. You carve out time to come near to God and he will come near to you. You carve out time to sit with God and allow him to speak through the Holy Spirit to you. You discipline yourself to have one voice. I used to do a lot of fishing with my grandfather down in South Texas, sometimes offshore, sometimes in the bays. If you've ever fished in South Texas in the bays, we'd go to St. Louis Pass or Christmas Bay The Gulf of Mexico feeds in, in high tide to the bays. A lot of salt grass and tall, cottontail grass all out in there. So you can wade out or you can take a boat, all right? So we would be in boats a lot, and we would go into these coves and catch trout and flounder and all kind of good fish up in there. But you got to go out in high tide. We'd be fishing at high tide in all these spots, And my grandfather, the old Cherokee man, he would say, he'd watch his line. I'd be on the back of the boat. He's on the front of the boat. He'd say, tide going out. No, it's not. He said, yeah, it is. Tide's changing. See, if you're in there, when the tide changes, you better start getting your stuff together quick. Because one thing's about the bay When the water, when the tide goes out, back, the water goes back out to the Gulf, you can be on a sandbar until high tide. You get my drift? That means you can walk around your boat until water comes back into the bays. He would walk, he has done this so much that he can have a line in the water and watch the wave hit it. And the minute that God, by the power of the moon, changes the tide, he can watch that line do something different. And he would say, Tide's changing. Tide's going out. I'm sitting back there going, No, it's not, it's great. Fish great. Let's just keep fishing. This is great. Let's keep fishing. Granddad said, get your stuff rolled up. Let's go. And I'm like, Are you serious? He said, We got to go. I didn't see it. But the master saw that. I would be getting my stuff together. My job's to get the anchor up. By the time I got the anchor out of the water, the mark on the rope where the water was and where it is now was at least a foot or two different. I didn't even see it. He saw it from the very beginning. Why? Because he's very vigilant and very watchful, and he was alert. Why? Because he studied the tide. He studied his line. He studied the water. See, if I'm ever going to catch anything in my life that's out ahead of me, I better sit with the one who knows what's ahead of me. If I don't, I can be caught on high ground, sitting in a boat, looking good, by the way, in my boat, but nothing but sand around me. And then Proverbs 24 comes around and he says, I saw a man He got a little sloppy. Resting of hands, folding of hands, and weeds came up around him. See, I have to sit with the creator so that I, the creation, can glean from what he already knows. I have one voice as a pastor and a man and a husband and a daddy and a son named Jeff. The voice is Jesus. At that point in my life in the bays of South Texas, my voice was my grandfather, He said, the tide's changing. I'm back here saying, "Uh uh-uh. And he said, yes, I need you to get your line up. I need you to get the anchor up. We're going. Don't argue. Mm -mm. Don't argue with the one who knows. Many of us don't sit with him. So we don't see any further than our feet. The word of God says, your, your word is a lamp to my feet. Yes, it does. So what can it do? It can light my path. See, the order is important. The word first must be a light to what? My feet. And then the, then the word lights my path. Then my feet know where to go. Be watchful, be vigilant, be alert. And the only way to do it, is to sit with the commander, sit with the main, main creator. His name is Jesus, and you got to hear his voice. I'm going to ask you to stand, church. As the worship team comes, if you're on the ministry team, I want to invite you to come at this time. I've said before that every sunrise is an invitation to meet with the king. It is. It is. If you don't know where to start, that's okay. Just start. You may not be comfortable with the Bible. You may be listening to me and say, Jeff, I don't even have a Bible. Listen to me. Jesus says he became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word. You may not have a word, but if you'll sit with the word, the word will come flesh to you. So I want to invite you this may be new to you you may never done it but you know that you need to stay vigilant you need to stay alert you need to stay watchful you know that your physical body has limitations it can only see so far but the father the creator can see further I ask that you until you get comfortable with the word will discipline yourself to sit with him and say God Will you speak to me? Will you speak to me? I know I've never asked you, but I'm 58 and scared. I need you to speak to me. I really believe that you know I'm down here. Will you speak to me? Because I need to know. I have questions. I need things. I need you to show me things. And I promise you, he will come near to you if you will come near to him. Father, we love you. No more needs to be said that it hasn't already been said. So Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit that you have already spoken our name, may we be obedient to that word. We know where we are. The Holy Spirit knows where we are. It landed there. God, don't let us blow it off. Don't let us hurry the lunch, forget it. God, let us respond in obedience to that because on the other side of obedience is always blessing. So Father, may we bless ourselves by being obedient to you. God, may we come near you because you will come near to us. During this time called ministry time, the altar's open, there are people that will pray for you. I ask that if the Lord has spoken to you, that you will come. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.